does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Have a busy Halloween night for our next guest. Got three young ones. And congrats on the newborn, just a couple weeks old in the Erickson household. And I believe once Halloween was done, some Naheem Hines attention late night for Joel A. Erickson from the Indianapolis Star. Joel, I was initially a little surprised to see the name Naheem Hines um, pop up as one that has not only interest from around the league, but it sounds like some internal interest with the Colts to move him. Uh, just your overall thoughts on Hines possibly being moved today. Um, so this is kind of a hard situation to handicap because I I would say that it's, it's significant the way it's been reported by both Sester and me that teams are reaching out to the Colts. I, I don't think this is a situation where the Colts were shopping him. Um, and as far as handicapping the chances, there's, I, I, I think the Colts want – I think for the Colts to make that move, they'd have to get a return that they felt would be that felt is significant. And trying to figure out if that's going to happen or not is kind of tough because if you look around the league, there's a lot of teams or a lot of, a lot of beats where people are asking running backs about their possibility of getting traded. And so it's kind of hard to figure out the market. Um yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a hard situation to, to handicap right now. How would you define significant? Third round, fourth round, fifth round? Uh, the, sense, the sense I got was the Colts aren't going to just give him away, which in terms of what that means, I think it's, it's harder to know because the trade deadline seems to elevate values for players, but you also I also feel like there's players who – get traded for draft pick compensation every year that you're like, oh, wow, Clayus Campbell for a fifth-round pick. Like, that doesn't seem like that much, you know? Um, now, maybe maybe because you get maybe because you get Hines with two more years, with, with essentially two more years of, of contract, that could raise it up. Um, but it's, it's hard to know. I mean, McCaffrey went for a second, third, fourth, and fifth. And... Uh, but McCaffrey's a starting running back, you know, and, a, and an every-down guy who can do everything. I, I don't know if that's a really good comp for what might be possible for, for Hines. Yeah, I guess I, I, I hope I was clear on that. I messed just kind of individual rounds. Like, you know, is a third-rounder what the Colts are holding out for? That seems very lofty. Is a fifth-rounder more realistic? Do they Would they do it for a fifth-rounder? Would, would they retain him if that's the most that they got? I guess those yeah. are kind of... Where I'm at. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the part I don't know, and kind of why I, I said like significant to the Colts because, like, I, for me, I think if it's a third rounder, that that's a really good return. Um, can they get that? I, I don't know. Uh, and then it, with a fifth rounder, you know, it's a guy you've got signed for for a couple more years at a fairly reasonable price with the cap going up. You know, that doesn't feel like it's a very significant return to me, but. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to know exactly what they – I don't know exactly what the Colts want in terms of the number. So from everything you've read, everything you've heard, uh, if you had to venture a guess, will Naeem Hines be on the Colts roster after today? 
I have no idea. <laughs> it could it could happen, but like I said, I think the Colts have to feel like they got blown away by the offer. So is there a better chance the Colts make a move, in your opinion, today, or they stand pat? Whether that's Naheem Hines is, or someone else. The hard part the hard part is like I, I was focused on the Hines situation and I don't know that I I don't know that I have a good handle on exactly the way the Colts view um the whole roster. I didn't I didn't get the sense that this was like a sign of an open shingle, you know, in terms of come get whoever you want, but I, I think teams are probably calling. Ballard has kind of said before that teams always call and they always receive calls. Um, and I think obviously teams would be like, well, Colts are three, four, and one. Uh, maybe we can. They're starting a, a, a first-time quarterback. Maybe maybe there's something there. So I could see calls happening. And then, but but the the less of the deadline from the last however many years, even with the tweet Schefter put up about how it's increased over the last couple of years, is that there's usually a lot more talk about what might happen than what actually does. Jolie Erickson from the Stars with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Um, I don't know. This is probably me getting a little bit too deep into the weeds from a reporting standpoint. What did you make of like the fact that Schefter, the only name Adam Schefter mentions yesterday on Twitter, is Naheem Hines? I mean, there, there's no other name he mentioned as rumored, you know, on the block, etc. Well, it, I, like I said, I. I, there's some stuff I think I can't necessarily say here, KB, but uh, I, I would say focus on teams are reaching out about Hines, and that's that's kind of the the indicator is the best way I can put it. It's kind of a hard thing to talk about. Okay, Joel, so let's uh, switch to what we saw on the field. What were your overall thoughts on Sam Ellinger's uh, first game on Sunday? I thought – so just from a baseline thing, we it, we didn't know for certain that Sam Ellinger belonged. You know, he was a sixth-round pick. We hadn't seen him start. Um, you know, we'd seen him in the preseason, but there's been a lot of guys who, you know, played well in the preseason and that didn't necessarily turn out. Sam Ellinger belongs. I think that's my biggest takeaway is the poise I thought was important. Um, the accuracy was important. Um, this This is a guy who can play in the NFL. And uh, that sounds like I'm downplaying it, but that's not – I'm not downplaying at all. Like, quarterbacks like Heineke and Ellinger proving that they deserve a spot in the league is is much harder than I think people realize. Joel, are you of the impression now that, you know, Matt Ryan and or Nick Foles will just be a healthy scratch for the rest of the season? As, you know, one of them's got to be the third QB. Yeah, it – feels like that um it feels like that right now that's the one thing that we haven't gotten like a, a straight answer on which one it would be um you know going going forward because we, we've asked about matt ryan kb you know this uh you maybe have asked it yourself we've asked a couple of times about you know where does matt ryan fit on the pecking order and you know right kind of keeps just saying well we'll delay that until he's healthy which i on the one hand, I understand how they can say that, but you also generally have a plan for what you're going to do. But it feels like they're going to be have one guy inactive the rest of the year, um, unless I guess unless there's a deal for Ryan, unless somebody wants to 
to go in on Ryan. I don't know right. which team that would be. Yeah, I was kind of curious if that would develop over the course of the day. Getting Joel A. Erickson from the Stars with us here on the Payless Lickers Hotline. Joel, offensive line issues – uh, do you point more towards the plan at left tackle and right guard entering this season or more to your highest paid guys aren't delivering enough? I think I think like a lot of things, it ends up being just sort of a collective weight of all that stuff piling up on it. You know, um, if, if Ryan Kelly and Braden Smith and Quentin Nelson are playing the way you expect them to, then I think it's easier to help left tackle and right guard at the same time, I don't think it's as easy to be those guys like the way their their reputation is if you have issues at left tackle and right guard. So I think it's it's sort of like a, um, just a, a, a snowball where you have this thing's happening and this thing's happening and it's making everything worse and it kind of goes down all, all at once and it's hard to know what's more responsible. I think the left tackle thing uh, – is kind of the genesis, though, because it felt like when Costanza retired, that that spot since that since Costanza retired, that spot has been not strong enough for them to really count on it. He's the Indianapolis Stars. Joel A. Erickson joining Kevin and Query on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Joel Paris Campbell has been stepping up as of late. Uh, what have you seen out of Campbell, and how do you think he be he's going to be used going forward, especially if they move Hines at the deadline? Uh. If they move Hines, I think it opens up some other stuff to do with him. I, I, we haven't really seen him out of the backfield because they have Hines, but you, you could obviously do that. Uh, Paris Campbell, like this, this is the player that the Colts thought they were getting. Um, we, we've gotten to see it over the last three or four games where he can be deadly and, and be a volume contributor in, in the short passing game. And then some of the, the creative stuff that they did, the end around, you know, he takes that smoke screen and, and goes for big yardage. That even the even the deep ball, you saw his speed on it. Uh, for a variety of reasons, we've never gotten to see like all of it come together for him. And right now, it kind of is. The only other time I felt like we saw him at full power was the very first game of the season with Philip Rivers, and he had six catches against Jacksonville right before the Harrison Smith hit. And it's it's interesting because he's a, he's a very valuable piece just in terms of all of the different roles he can play within the offense and we're kind of seeing them explore that as this, as this season progresses again Joel A. Erickson is with us here uh, the cover two podcast himself and Nate Atkins you can find that on all podcast platforms Joel I, w- I guess I'm going back a little bit to the trade deadline topic of the day but more so at linebacker I'm very curious like what the future is there in Indy. I think Bobby Okereke is at a nice season. He's in a contract year. I think EJ Speed's had a really good year. Uh, he's in a contract year. Zaire Franklin's under contract for several years. So is Shaquille Leonard. You know, today's NFL. You really only need two or three. It's a position Chris Boward has drafted extremely well at across all days of the draft. That one, I'm thinking to myself, man... Could that be a position that's moved? Again, this is no educated guess behind it. It's purely more of me looking at the roster thinking four guys for like two-ish spots and two of them are in contract years. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I, I agree with you the way you look at it. I, I really want to know, we, we kind of have to wait until Tuesday for some of the defensive playing time questions because that's when Gus Bradley talks. And like, you know, Frank Reich will answer that, but I think you get, 
more of the thinking from the defensive coordinator, right? Generally it leaves the playing time and stuff like that up to the coordinator and, and the position coaches. But it's interesting to me that when Leonard was coming on the field on Sunday, Okereke was the one coming off. Um, and EJ Speed played like eight snaps or something. Yeah. How does that, how does all that work? If, you know, like the, the goal here is for Leonard to get to, to full strength so he's on the field all the time. You know, how, how does that work? What does that mean for Bobby Okereke? That's the question I want to ask Gus Bradley because Okereke's played a ton of snaps for this team and, and played pretty well in coverage. Um, but, you know, who, who comes off the field? If EJ Speed's played really well at that same linebacker position, had the fourth down stop uh, on Sunday, you know, that, there is. It does feel like there's a surplus there. And I, I want some – I want to know more of what the team is thinking on that, that linebacker position. Miss, like mismatch that match they've got there. Joel, last one from me. Uh, Tyquan Lewis, unfortunately, another season-ending injury. Thoughts on Tyquan Lewis and who steps in in his absence? I feel really bad for Tyquan. Um, you know, a patellar tendon injury. I was I was talking about this with somebody yesterday. I don't know if I've covered the NFL for like eight or nine years now. I don't know if I've had another patellar tendon injury to cover. And now Tyquan's had two. He was playing better than his, you know, the traditional counting stats would say. He had he had one sack and four quarterback hits, but the Sports Info Solutions, the stat site I use, had him at, I think, 13 or 14 pressures, which is right now third on the team because of Quiddy Pay being out for a little while. Um, and obviously he forced the interception. Lewis was playing pretty well at that spot, and – if pays back, that's the obvious answer. If pays back to full strength, the quitty pay is the answer to what you do with Taekwon Lewis. If not, it's some combination of Ifadi Odengbo and Dio Odengbo. And right now it feels like Ifadi's the one playing better uh, on a week-to-week basis. Great pronunciation there. I would have just called him the dude that does the sword dance after he gets a sack. <laughs> The sword dance is amazing. I wasn't amazing. exactly sure what he was doing the first time, but it's a that's a top ten sack dance. Captain Morgan should sponsor him. <laughs> I love that. That's a great idea. It is. It is so great, and that was a hell of a sack that he had on Sunday. All right, Joel, keep us posted on today. Um, I know it's probably late night for you, Halloween wise. So thank you for that, and I appreciate the time. Yeah, you bet. You bet. Thanks Joel. for having me on. Joel A. Erickson right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Mark, I was went back and watched the game yesterday, and I could not believe it when Brendan Gauden, uh, the play-by-play guy for Fox, said this stat. Um, we talked about fumbles, 21 on the year for the Colts, um, that the Colts quarterbacks have lost six fumbles in eight games this season, with Ellinger losing one, of course, uh-huh. on Sunday. And Peyton Manning's, what, 13 years here? Yeah. He lost eight. Jeez. Far cry from where uh, where we used to be with this franchise. Eight lost fumbles in 13 years. Six lost fumbles in eight games. Unbelievable. Sure, there's an element of fumble luck in there, but st- I mean. I mean, if they'd stop putting Crisco on the balls, we would solve some of that issue, I feel like. It's, it's something, right? Yeah. Uh, again, thanks to Joel for that. Dame Brugler, talk a little NFL draft coming up around 9.30. Still want to play that Miles Turner audio. Um, he went on Adrian Wojnarowski's podcast 
that's quite the podcast to go on. Had some very candid comments about the Lakers potentially trading for him. Uh, and then I would say did not really back it up last night. So we'll do that here uh, on a overcast Tuesday in Indy. Kevin and Corey, Mark Dykton filling in for Jake. Simply, I think he's the best draft analyst out there. Uh, Dane Brugler from The Athletic is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. The Beast is his all-encompassing, I don't even know how many pages it is, uh, an absolute must-read that will come out just before the draft each year. I think it's fun to go back and look at past prospects. I did it this past week with Sam Ellinger just to get uh, Dane's thoughts on when Ellinger came out of Texas and um, so many great tidbits in there. And uh, Dane is busy working on that. Looking ahead to the 2023 draft coming up in April. Dane, as always, thank you for the time, man. No, of course. Anytime. Good morning. Uh, Dane, I want to begin, I guess, with the quarterback class. Um, Certainly with the Matt Ryan benching, the Sam Ellinger starting job, all eyes here in Indy on the quarterback class. Just your early thoughts on this year's group. Yeah, I think after last year where we saw one quarterback go in the first 73 picks, uh, anything was going to be an upgrade. And so this year with this uh, upcoming class, assuming Bryce Young from Alabama uh, declares, assuming C.J. Stroud, uh, Ohio State declares, this is going to be a a much better quarterback class. Now, I don't think it's going to be, uh, you know, like this group of can't-miss passers. It's not going to be to that level but clearly an upgrade over what we saw last year. Um, And it'll be interesting because Bryce Young is, in my opinion, the best quarterback prospect in this draft. Uh, It just, if you can get past the size, Uh, he is a complete outlier in terms of his, not just his height. We've seen Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson and and shorter quarterbacks uh, be able to be productive in the league. But Bryce Young is not, he's not, he doesn't have the same build as those guys. Uh, you know, the last uh, 25 years, there's only been two quarterbacks that have been drafted over, of the 300 quarterbacks drafted, only two uh, were under six foot and under 200 pounds, like Bryce Young will be. And neither of those guys were drafted in the top three rounds. So Bryce Young, from a size perspective, perspective is a complete outlier. But if you can get past that, he checks so many boxes that you're looking for at the position, the way he processes, the poise, uh, his athleticism to uh, use his legs, get outside the pocket, move the pocket, um, extend plays, and, and make things happen. He just His vision and instincts are really, really impressive, and, he, and he's very accurate on the move as well. So if I'm going to bet on one of these guys, it's going to be Bryce Young, even with the size concerns. Uh, I do like C.J. Stroud. I think he's a very accurate quarterback. Uh, and when things are in structure, it looks very pretty. I mean, he has the pacing, uh, the ball placement. Uh, just it, it makes it look very easy. But when things break down, when either he's moved from a spot or you know there's pressure that he's dealing with, that's where it, it's just he's not nearly as comfortable. And in the NFL, you have to be able to make things happen outside of structure. And that's why with C.J. Stroud, I still you know he's going to be an NFL starter. Um, but I'm not. I don't love him as much as maybe you know others who think he should be the number one overall pick. If those two are on a tier, and maybe it's you know Bryce Young ahead of C.J. Stroud in your eyes, who would you put on mm-hmm. that second tier uh, or, or third tier of quarterbacks? Yeah, I think it's Will Levis uh, from Kentucky, who um, he's definitely a complicated player uh, because physically he's the prototype. 
size, 6'4", 230, a really athletic and mobile guy. Um, and there's nothing slow uh, about the way he moves, uh, his release, his feet. Um, he's a very, in, in, you know, in the NFL, you need tough guys. And this guy is physically tough. He can play through injuries. He's durable. And, you know, talking to scouts, they say that he has the intelligence to handle an NFL playbook. That's not, uh, you know, the processing part of it is not an issue for him. But the on-field results uh, at Kentucky have just been too inconsistent. And so, uh, you know, what's the upside that he offers? Uh, that, that, that's where the answer to that question is going to be different from team to team. And they, as they view, okay, what's the ceiling? What, with our coaches, what more are we getting out of him? Um, you know, it's, it, it, he's dealing this year with, you know, offensive line that's uh, been struggling. Uh, you know, he lost his top weapon from a year ago. There's a new play caller, even though it's a very similar offense. So there's a lot of things that's working against Will Levis, but still you want to see better consistency on the field. Nonetheless, there's too many there's too many traits there that teams are going to say, hey, we can, with our coaching, this guy can win football games for us. So Will Levis is going to be a first-round pick. It's just a matter of how high. Um, but he's in that next tier. And then after that, I would put Tanner McKee from Stanford and then Hendon Hooker from, uh, from Tennessee, who's, who's a really – talented player clearly the Heisman favor at this point uh but in that offense where it's a lot of half field reads um you know it's just it's a very quarterback friendly offense it, it can be a little bit of a tougher evaluation Dane one of the names I've seen uh obviously given the Colts situation uh one of the names I've seen in some very early mock drafts is Florida's Anthony Richardson so I didn't mm-hmm. hear his name mentioned in any of the names you, you ran off just a little bit earlier where does he rank for you and what do you see as his NFL potential yeah, he, he's so tough because he is so gifted. I mean, he is he, he looks he's an oversized linebacker, uh, just physically the way he looks and the way he plays. Uh, but he runs he's gonna run the four threes, four fours. I mean, just a phenomenal athlete. Uh he's got an absolute hose for an arm, but uh he's not has not been accurate. Um, you know, a lot of times his his passes are sprayed. Um the just in terms of understanding based off pre-snap reads, where to go with the football, what the defense is doing, is just not at that level yet. And, I mean, I, I, I hope he goes back to school, goes back to Florida, because he needs more time. The NFL is not a developmental league, um, especially a guy like this who I think he needs on-field reps. You know, it's, it's not like just, you know, sit him for a year and let him learn. I, I want This guy needs to be on the field so he can see live action and get better. He's a redshirt sophomore, so still very, very young. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see what he does after this year. If he feels like, you know what, I'm because he does take a lot of hits, and so he might say, hey, I, I'm ready to go now. I'm, you know, uh, pres- preserve my body for the next level. Um, and if he does come out, it'll be a really interesting evaluation because of it, it's all based on upside. It, it's all based on on talent and where you think he's going to be three, four years from now. And and that's a really tough thing to do. So I, I, I there's a he could still be a first rounder. I mean, you can't rule that out. But it, it would be really tough to take him that early when, you know, yes, he is extremely gifted, but there's just there's so much projection there, and, and that makes him a tough evaluation. Again, it's Dane Brugler, the Athletics NFL Draft Analyst, at DP Brugler, B-R-U-G-L-E-R, on Twitter. Um, Dane, when you look at – I guess I got one more on, on the quarterback front – Um, Any guys that you maybe or you're hearing kind of slotted day two, day three that you're keeping an eye on is maybe a guy that, hey, he's, you know, fourth or fifth round, but 
if I see a little bit more or he has a strong pro day, et cetera, you could see him moving up a little bit. Well, I think that uh, among the underclassmen, Will Rogers um, over at Mississippi State um, is a guy that, uh, you know, there's a lot of parallels with uh, Bailey Zappi, uh, who we're, you know, seeing do some nice things with the Patriots. Um, you know, a guy that uh, maybe there's nothing really explosive about him in terms of his movements, in terms of his arm, but uh, he knows where to go with the football and he understands placement. He'll throw uh, guys open consistently. So Will Rogers is a name to keep in mind if we're talking about, you know, those mid rounds. And then with, among the senior class, I really like Aiden O'Connell out of Purdue. I don't think he's going to be necessarily a guy that's pegged as an NFL starter. Um, I think he's going to be more of a backup who, and maybe a possible spot starter. But he's a guy that has a lot of things going for him. And, I, you know, I know, uh, you know, a lot of I'm sure a lot of your audience is familiar with him playing at Purdue. Uh, a guy is a six year senior. He's played a lot of football, former walk on. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of things about his game that you say, OK, yeah, this will work at the next level. So I'm not saying that Aiden O'Connell is going to be an NFL starter, but he's going to be in the league for a while because uh, there's a lot of things about his game that translate. And if he gets on the field, uh, you know, he's got a chance to at least help his team win football games. Colts have a lot of uh, holes on offense, needless to say. Left tackle, another one. What are some top left left tackle prospects you could see uh, in the draft in the first round that could be cornerstones for a young team like the Colts? Yeah, initially I thought this offensive tackle class was going to be a pretty weak group, uh, you know, one of the weaker positions this year. But we've seen a few underclassmen really emerge, and that, that changes things. Um, and, and the top guy – uh, is Olu Fashanu from Penn State, the left tackle. Uh, this guy is only 19 years old. He's a redshirt sophomore, nine career starts, but, man, is he impressive. I mean, he's 320 pounds, but he moves like he's 250 pounds. Um, he's got that core strength so he can sit down versus power. Uh, he's rangy. He understands angles. His hand technique's really impressive. Really smart guy who works at his craft. So Olu Fashanu, definitely a name to keep in mind. Um, Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State. Uh, he moved from right guard to left tackle this year, more natural at left tackle. He's been outstanding, zero sacks, zero penalties committed uh, for the Buckeyes. Um, and then an Indianapolis native uh, at right tackle, uh, Dewan Jones has yeah, been. Ben Davis uh, product. Very, yeah, very, very impressive. Now, I think he's probably more of a right tackle. That's where he's comfortable. Um, but I mean, just, uh, just so impressed with the improvements that he has made six, eight and a half, 360 pounds, over 36 inch arms, almost 90 inch wingspan. The, the, the man is humongous. Um, but the biggest difference between last year's tape and this year's tape is his balance and space. He is doing a much better job staying controlled versus those wide nine rushers. Cause we know what against the you know tight splits, once he gets his hands on you, he, he can, he can absolutely control defenders. But what about in space where he's going to face speed and uh, guys uh, trying to capture the corner? That's where Dewan Jones has made these huge strides this year, and he's put himself uh, in the top 50 mix. So uh, one of the bigger risers that we've seen this season. And then one other guy to mention, uh, another Big Ten. It's a very Big Ten um, strong class at tackle. Uh, Peter Skoronsky at Northwestern. Now, it's gonna, there's going to be a lot of chatter about uh, his arm length because it's going to be probably between 32 and 32 and a half inches. And for most teams, you want 34 inches or at the very least 33 inches. So there's going to be a lot of noise about Peter Skronsky's arm length. 
But I tell you what, he on tape, he he figures it out. Uh, part of it is just how quick he is in, in his pass sets. Part of it is how smart he is, where he understands what defenders are trying to do. That's just from, from tape study. He knows, and he's he's very natural in his movements. So I think he deserves a chance at left tackle. But at the very least, we're talking about a, a Zach Martin type of journey to go in from a college left tackle inside the guard if that's the path that he takes. So regardless, uh, you know, the, these uh, those four Big Ten tackles are, are all guys that are, are high in NFL radars. Another ND native there in Zach Martin. Yeah, watching Dewan Jones play basketball in high school was quite the treat mm-hmm. with his athleticism and size. Dane, just a couple more here. And as always, thank you for the time. Again, Dane Brugler from The Athletic, NFL Draft Guru is with us here. Um, I'm going to ask about a couple local guys. Charlie Jones from Purdue, the transfer from Iowa, has had a really strong season with Aiden O'Connell. And then up in South Bend, um, there are some other guys outside of Michael Mayer, but I think if you watch him, you'll realize he's about the only thing Notre Dame's got in the pass-catching department, and uh, he's a name that's been talked about for several years. Yeah, that Notre Dame offensive game plans, uh, basically just, yeah, find 87, throw right. it to them. Yes. Uh, and, and you know what? I, that's okay because it's better than them underutilizing him uh, because they, they know what they have with Michael Mayer. He's he's so impressive. Uh, you know, another guy with a basketball background. I mean, he wanted to play. Uh, you know, he thought he'd be playing Kentucky basketball uh, in college. But then in, in high school, he kind of – uh, gravitated towards football and the way his body grew and just the, the, he's just a very natural football player. One, one scout put it to me like this. He, he's made out of vibranium. I mean, he is that type of toughness, that type of body type. And he's not an elite athlete. We're not talking about a Kyle Pitts, uh, maybe not even a TJ Hawkinson type of athlete, but uh, good enough where, you know, there's no wasted movements in his routes. Um, so he might not be sudden, but he's very natural in everything that he does. And he's one of the better contested catch tight ends that we've seen the last few years uh those tight windows he will win more times than not uh going up against defenders so you know, michael mayer he is pegged for the first round no doubt charlie jones uh yeah it's good to see him uh you know being able to kind of blossom um you know he started at buffalo then he goes to iowa uh you know made a lot of uh, plays on special teams but not enough on offense okay he leaves this summer goes to uh, purdue and uh, it's been really fun to watch him uh, with his old buddy O'Connell. He, he's he's got speed. I mean, this guy is a legit four three, low four four type of athlete, um, and he's really been able to show his ball skills. He snatches the ball away from his body and makes something happen. So Charlie Jones has gone from uh, probably a priority free agent to definitely a draft pick. Dan, last one for me. Uh, in your opinion, the position group with the strongest and weakest groups in the 2023 draft class. Defensive line is definitely the strongest. Um, I've got my top 50, my updated top 50 um, coming out tomorrow on The Athletic, uh, my first update since August. And uh, the, the most represented position is edge rusher. There's 11 guys on there. Um, it, it's a really, really loaded group. Um, and even defensive tackle is a, is a strong group this year. So defensive line, without a doubt, um, the strongest position this year. Uh, the weakest, I, I thought it might be offensive tackle, but the way that the, some of these guys have blossomed, I don't think so. Uh, maybe the interior of the offensive line, um, it, it's not a particularly strong group. I only have one in my top 50 
Um, and I think it's also worth noting that wide receiver, it, we're still going to have guys go because it's receiver. Guys are going to go early. But it's not like the last few years. The last few, last three years, we've had at least five receivers in the first round every single year. We probably don't see that this year, uh, and we probably don't see a receiver in the top ten. It's just that not not that type of receiver group um, th- this year compared to the the riches that we've had the last two or three years. Interesting stuff. Again, Dane Brugler, top fifty, as he said, comes out tomorrow. Check that out on the Athletic and. Dane, hopefully we can have you on a couple more times before the draft in April. Um, his stuff is great, not only during the college season, but of course we'll get much more into it here when the calendar turns to 2023. Dane, safe travels around the college football world, and uh, appreciate the time. Anytime, thank you. That's Dane Brugler right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Mark, pop quiz is coming up next, and yep. the giveaway? Do- pair of tickets to WWE SmackDown on November 11th at Gamebridge. Line right. them up. We'll do that next. 317-239-1070. Pop quiz.